Well, good morning, everybody, and thanks for joining us today for the uh, Sunday morning worship service, and I hope that you and your family are doing well. This is our fourth week in a row to have this service online, and it looks like there are going to be several more weeks that we'll be doing this, and so we're just making the best out of a tough situation, as certainly you are and everybody else in the world is, too. It's just a, it's a strange and, and a very unusual time, and, and yet we're finding that God's grace is sufficient, and we're just so thankful that through Facebook and through streaming and, and the other ways that we can, we can be together in this service. You know, as we watch our televisions every day and, and even as we talk to each other, there seem to be a lot of questions that people are asking. Questions like, how long is this going to last? Or when will the curve flatten out? Or when will we be able to go back to church or, or go to a ball game or go to a movie? When will this whole thing be over? And those are just normal and natural questions. And those in positions of authority are doing everything they can to give us good guesses at those questions, when those things might happen. But, you know, I think as we're going through this, there are some other questions that we need to ask besides, besides those questions. And the questions that I think we need to ask, I, I'm not hearing quite as many people ask these questions. And yet I think these questions that I'm about to raise are, are really the, the more important questions than the other questions. Questions like this, where is God during this coronavirus? Uh, what is God up to right now? Why did God allow this to happen? What is God saying to us through what is going on in the world today? Now, I don't pretend to have the full answers to, to those questions, except I know what the Bible says, and certainly you know what the Bible says. But as we think about where is God, we know first and foremost that God is right where he has always been. He is seated on his throne in heaven, and he's very much in control of what is happening in the world today. As we have said before, and as we believe, God did not cause this virus to happen, but as a sovereign God, he has allowed it. In fact, just yesterday when I was reading through my morning Bible reading, I came to Psalm 93, and the first three words in that psalm say, the Lord reigns. And then I came down to verse 4, and verse 4 says, the Lord on high is mightier. Mightier than what? Mightier than everything that's happening on the earth. And he's mightier than this coronavirus. And so as far as where is God, God's where he's always been. He's on his throne. But as we think about those other questions, why would God have allowed this to happen? And, and what is God saying to us through this? I think these are the questions that we really need to be mindful of and that we need to ask God ourselves in the days ahead. God, what are you saying? Why did you allow this to happen? What change do you want there to be in my life and, and even in the world. God, what are you up to while all this is going on? Well, last Sunday morning, we gave, or I did, at least one of the answers to that question as, as to what is God saying. And we talked last week about how God is saying through this that we should not become too dependent or too attached to the things of this world because this world is passing away. This world is temporary. It's fleeting in nature. And we spent our entire time last Sunday morning thinking about how the sports world and the entertainment world and, and even the financial world to a certain extent uh, is just, it's just passing away and it's not like it used to be. God's just giving us a glimpse of the future because in eternity we won't have sports and there won't be money and there won't be entertainment and things like we're used to down here. So I think one of the most fundamental and foundational things that God is saying is that we should not get too attached to this old world because it's passing away. Now this morning I want to give us another thing that in my heart of hearts based on the Bible, what we read 
read in the Bible that I think God is clearly saying to us, and it is simply this, and maybe you've not thought about it, maybe you have, but this morning I want all of us to think about this. God is saying to us that now is the time to put our faith into practice. Now is the time to put our faith into practice. Now, as Christians, we have faith. We have faith in God, faith that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, and faith that Jesus died on that cross to pay for our sins. Next Sunday, we'll be celebrating the resurrection. We have faith that Jesus walked out of that grave conquering death and hell. So we have faith already. There are a lot of things about God that we have been taught for years. Our parents taught these things to us. Our grandparents, our Sunday school teachers, when we were those of us who grew up in the church, we have been taught all of our lives that God loves us, that God is in control, that God causes all things to work together for good. And so now we have an opportunity to put into practice those things that we have believed, many of us have believed, for most all of our lives. Now, this morning, if you would open your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter number 8, I want us to look at a, at a story from the life and ministry of Jesus. That's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's an event about Jesus being on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and a big storm came up. Now, it's interesting, as we read through the Gospels, we find several occasions where those disciples were out on that Sea of Galilee Galilee, and they got into a storm. We read in Matthew chapter 14 that on one such occasion, Jesus came walking to them on top of the, on top of the water, on top of those waves, those waves that were threatening to capsize that boat and take their lives. Jesus was walking to them on top of those, on the, of those waves. What was Jesus saying in that instance? He was saying, this situation that is now above your head is under my feet. I'm very much in control of it. And I think that's one thing Jesus is saying to us now. This coronavirus that is so big, it's just above everybody's head. Jesus is saying to us, remember, it's under my feet. And I am coming to you across these waves. And I'm walking on top of this virus to reveal myself to you in a fresh new way. And so in the Gospels, we read Jesus walking on the water to get to those disciples. But in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus didn't come to the disciples walking on the water because he was already in the boat with them when this storm came up. In fact, he was kind of in a, in a private part of that boat, a quiet part of that boat. And he was sound asleep during that storm. He was wasn't worried about it at all. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, look down in verse 23. The Bible says, when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest or a storm arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But Jesus was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're perishing. That's exactly what we would have said. Now, verse 26 to me anyway, is one of the most interesting verses in all the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now don't miss that. As they're out there in this Sea of Galilee, and this storm has taken over, scared them to death, they think they're about to die. They go wake Jesus up, and while the wind is blowing, and while the uh, rain is coming down, and as the waves are coming into that boat, in the middle of the storm, Jesus looked to his disciples, and he said, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? In other words, he's saying, why aren't you trusting in me? 
Now, had Jesus had calmed the storm first and then said to the disciples, why are you afraid? They might would have responded, well, we're not afraid now because you've calmed the storm. We were just afraid while the storm was going on. But we read in Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus posed that question to his disciples at the height, at the apex of that storm. As the wind was blowing and the thunder was sounding and the lightning was crashing and the waves were coming into that boat, Jesus looked at those disciples in the face, and Jesus said, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, right now, in the middle of this storm, right while it's going on, you have an opportunity to trust me in a way that you won't have once the storm gets over with. And so in Jesus' mind, the storm was not even the issue. What was going on was not the main thing. It had nothing to do with whether or not they should have been afraid or whether they should have been trusting in him. In Jesus' mind, he was saying to those disciples, it doesn't matter matter what's happening circumstantially. It doesn't matter what's happening on this sea. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. You should be trusting me, and especially now during this storm. And so as I have thought about that passage and thought about what we're going through in the world now, it's just like God spoke to my heart, and God said, John, you and every other Christian out there has an opportunity to trust me now in a way that you won't have an opportunity to trust me once this thing's over with. Now, we don't, again, we don't know for sure when this is going to end, maybe in a month or two months or three months, but eventually the coronavirus will be no more. It will be history. It will be over, and we'll be into the summer, and we'll be talking about, remember last spring when all that was going on, couldn't go to church, couldn't go to a restaurant, couldn't do anything. It'll be over with, but see, it's not over with now. In fact, it hasn't even hit the peak yet. And yet we have an opportunity right now to trust the Lord during this storm in a way that we won't have an opportunity when it gets over with. And so what I want to encourage you to do today is to trust God. Now is the time to put your faith into practice. The fact is we have an opportunity while all this is going on. We can either live in fear or we can live in faith. Now, what is fear? Fear is really just a thought. It's a thought that sometimes pops in our mind, and it's a thought that says something bad might happen. I might get this disease, this virus. Somebody in my family might get this. I might lose my job. I might miss some paychecks. Some are probably thinking I might not be able to pay my mortgage or pay my rent, and these are real thought. These are real-life situations and real thoughts, and yet the devil can turn all that against us, and they become fear, fearful thoughts in our mind. And so we don't want to walk by fear. We want to walk by faith. Now, I want to give you a couple of Scripture verses that have been such a blessing to me. First of all, in Psalm 56 and in verse number 3, David said something that I find very helpful in my life. David said, talking to God, he said, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And so David was saying, I've learned in my life, when I have those thoughts of fear coming into my mind, something bad might happen, I've learned that if I will trust God, that my faith in God calms those fears. It quiets my mind. It just calms me down. And so we know that faith does that. Faith calms our fears. But let me give you another scripture. In Isaiah chapter 12 and in verse number two, I think Isaiah said something even better than David said. Because David said, whenever I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in God. And that trust in God is going to help me with my fears. But Isaiah said this, Isaiah 12 two, behold, God is my salvation. Now listen to this next part. Isaiah said, I will trust and not 
be afraid. Think about that. I will trust and not be afraid. David said, whenever I'm afraid, I'll trust God, and that'll help me not to be afraid. Isaiah said, I've got something better than that. I'm going to trust God, and my faith in God will prevent me from getting afraid in the first place. And so that's the power of faith. The power of faith in God is that and, and we do get, get afraid sometimes. And so when we get afraid, we trust God. Our faith calms our fears. But if we can just learn to trust God all the time, no matter if we're in the storm or in the middle of this virus or what's happening in life, if our heart says, God, I trust you. As the psalmist said, my heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. If we can just live with constant, unbroken faith, then we won't get, we won't get afraid. We won't have to lose our peace. We won't be scared. We won't live in fear because not only does faith calm fears once they arise, but faith can prevent fear from happening. Have you ever noticed, I'm sure you have, I have in my life, that fear always asks this question, what if, what if this happens? What if you get cancer? What if the cancer returns? What if you lose your job? What if you have to die alone? What if you get the coronavirus? What if you lose your job? What if you lose your money? What if somebody close to you dies? What if, what if, what if? The devil is the master of the what if. In fact, we go back to the very first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, when the devil came to Eve in the Garden of Eden. And the first words coming out of Satan's mouth, it, they were a question. And God had said, don't eat the fruit from this tree. And the devil said to Eve, has God really said. You see what the devil wants to do? He always wants to put a question mark where God has put a period. And so the devil comes to us and the devil says, what if, what if, what if, what if? But faith is altogether different. Faith doesn't ask what if. In fact, faith doesn't really primarily ask a question. Faith focuses on what is. Not what if, not what might happen, but what is. God is. His plan for my life is. His presence is. And so what we want to do is focus on what is. And so what I want to do in this message today, I want to give you some things that you can do to exercise your faith. If the title of the message is, now is the time to put your faith into practice, now is the time to exercise your faith, I want to give you some very practical things that you can put your faith into. In. And if you're a note taker, this would be a super easy little message just to jot some notes down. In fact, it's so easy, you probably don't even need to write it down. You can probably just remember it because I've tried to word it in such a way that it'll stick in your mind. First of all, at a time like this, we need to put our faith in God's presence. In God's presence. The fact that God is here right now. Not many weeks ago, I completed reading through the Gospel of Matthew. And I had set aside uh, 28 days. I was reading a chapter a day, and I read through Matthew. And when I got to the end of the chapter, I noticed something that I had never noticed before. In the very end of Matthew, chapter 28, down in verse 20, which is the last verse in the chapter, the last full phrase that Jesus gave to his disciples before going back up to heaven, he said, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that, those are his last words in the Gospel of Matthew. Well, when I read that, I started thinking about something that we read in Matthew chapter number 1. Because in Matthew 1, we're reading about the birth of Christ. And we read about how the angel went to uh, Joseph and told him that uh, Mary was going to be uh, conceiving and that she would give birth to the Savior of the world. And, and the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then he said, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. 
which means God with us. And I just noticed something that I never had noticed in all the years of reading the Bible, that in Matthew chapter 1, in the Christmas account, the birth of Jesus, the emphasis there is, at least one of the emphasis there is, that God is with us. And that's what the name Emmanuel means, God is with us. And then on the, in the very last chapter, Jesus said, I will be with you always. And so I thought the book of Matthew is kind of bookended, as it were, by the presence of God. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said, I'm with you always. Of course, he's with us now in our hearts in the person of the Holy Spirit. But it says to me that one of the things we need to focus on first and foremost right now is the presence of God. I know that one of the things that's intimidating and frightening about this virus is that the people who have gotten it are having, some of them are staying home, but even those who are staying home are having to be isolated and separated from family members and friends. And even those of us who don't have it, we're, we're kind of having to live that way too. This social distancing and we can only get uh, six feet close to somebody else. And so, you know, there's a certain uh, feeling, I think, in the world, and it's causing some anxiety. We just feel cut off and, and separated and isolated from family and friends. And that is even more true for those of you who are living alone and, and you can't maybe get out of your house. I've talked to several in our church this week who, who live alone, and they're communicating to their family members and friends by phone, but they don't have any human contact right now. And that can be a very difficult thing. But I want to remind that lady out there today or that man who's living alone that you're not alone. Not if you're a Christian. Not if you're truly saved. Jesus Christ is right in that house with you. He is right in that apartment with you. And you are not alone. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is in the book of Nahum, chapter number 1 and verse number 3. And that verse says, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. Now listen to this next part. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. The clouds are the dust of his feet. I can remember when I was a kid, I used to be really scared when a bad storm blew into town. It scared me to death. I thought something bad might happen. It just really intimidated me. Well, as I got older, I outgrew that fear. And years later, I came to that verse in Nahum. And I thought, I wish I could have known that verse as a child and have understood it as a child. Because that verse says, when there's a storm going on, those clouds are the dust of God's feet. Those clouds are a reminder to us that God is near. Now, what's true in nature is true in the world today. We're in the middle of a storm, maybe the greatest storm in the history of the world. Uh, certainly, medically speaking, I think there's a strong possibility that statement's true. And yet, in the middle of this storm, what do we know? The clouds of this storm, they're the dust of God's feet. God is close to us, and God is right here with us, and you are not alone. My prayer for me, one of my prayers for me during this, and I'll make it today my wish and my prayer for you, is that the presence of Jesus Christ would become more real to us now than it would be if we had Jesus Christ in the flesh in our very homes with us. And so it should be more real because he's actually living in our heart. He is more real to us and closer to us than he would be if we had him in the flesh. And so the first thing we want to do is just to declare our faith and exercise our faith and say to God, God, right now, I believe with all my heart that you are right here with me. Now, a second thing we want to do to exercise our faith and to put our faith into practice is to put our faith not only in God's presence, but also in God's protection, to put our faith in God's protection. The fear that is in the world right now is, is primarily caused because 
people are understandably scared of getting this virus or scared that somebody close to them is going to get this virus. And that is natural and that is normal. But remember this, as Christians, we're not supposed to live naturally. We're supposed to live our lives supernaturally, not by fear, but by faith. And faith says, not only am I trusting that God is with me, I'm trusting that God is going to protect me during this virus. Now, it's interesting. As I said at the beginning, we have gone to church. We've heard sermons. We've read our Bibles. We've read books. We've been in Sunday school classes for many years. We've been taught the things of God. And yet at a time like this, what we need is not necessarily to be taught anything new. What we need now is to put into practice what we already know. Last October, I preached a sermon here one Sunday morning entitled, Do Christians Have a Hedge of Protection? We've been studying through the book of Revelation, and on that particular Sunday, we were in Revelation chapter 12, where it was talking about the blood of Christ. And so I wanted to use that as, a, as kind of a launching pad to talk about a hedge of protection that the blood of Christ provides. And in that sermon, in answer to the question, do Christians have a hedge of protection? The answer to the question is, yes, we do. Because we read that in the Bible, we have been placed, when we got saved, we were placed in the hand of Jesus Christ. And then we read in John chapter 10 that God the Father has placed his hand over us. And then we also know that as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living in our heart. And we also read in the Bible, Psalm 91:11, that God will send his angels to watch after us and to keep charge over us and to protect us. And we also know that the blood of Jesus Christ is a hedge of protection. Just like in the Old Testament at the Passover, those Jewish people down in Egypt put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and that little beam across the top, and that blood protected them from the death angel that was passing over. And so that Sunday morning, in, last Sunday morning in October, do Christians have a hedge of protection? Yes. Yes, we do. We have a five-layer hedge. God the Father, Jesus Christ, His Son, the Holy Spirit, the angels, and the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, John, now what does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that before anything bad can ever come into our lives, whether it's cancer, whether it's losing a job, whether it's uh, somebody doing something bad or saying something against us, in this case, whether it's the coronavirus, before any of that gets to us, it has to pass through those five layers, the hand of God the Father, the hand of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels, and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so anything that passes through those strong five layers and gets into our life, that means that it has some purpose. There's some reason why God would have let that pass through, which says to me that as Christians, this is so very important, we are not victims of our circumstances. We're not at the mercy of this virus. We're not even at the mercy of, of the devil. We're at the mercy of God. And so as Christians, we're, we're not victims of circumstances. We, we serve a sovereign God. And so for the sake of the argument, if he allows this virus to come into our lives, and we pray that he doesn't. We pray that, that he would protect us from that. But even if we were to get it, we know that God has allowed that to happen and that God is still in control. And so here's what I believe, and the Bible teaches this. As Christians, as children of God, we are immortal until our work on earth is done. Now, I believe that. I believe if I drop dead today, and I hope I don't, but I believe if I do, that my work on earth was done. My time was up. We read in Psalm 139, verse 16, that before we were ever born, God numbered out how many days that we would live, and God wrote that number in a book. 
Think about that. For your life, before you were born, God made a decision on your life how long you would live. And so you're not going to die one day too soon. You're not going to live one day too long. You're going to go to heaven at the appointed time, and so am I. So that takes the pressure off. And so we can say, God, I trust you. This coronavirus is not going to take me out early. If it takes me out, it took me out on time because my times are in your hands. And so, Lord, I trust you. See, that's faith. That's putting your faith into action. That's exercising your faith. And that's saying, God, not only do I trust your presence, but God, I trust your protection. I'm trusting you to keep me healthy. I'm trusting you to keep this disease away from me and away from my family. God, I'm trusting you. But Lord, just for the sake of the argument, if, if something bad were to happen and we pray it won't, but even if it did, I'm still trusting you because I'm immortal on this earth until my work for you is done. A third thing we can do that will strengthen our faith is to put our faith, now think about what I'm saying, not only in God's presence, not only in God's protection, but to put our faith in God's provision, that God is going to take care of us. God is going to meet our needs. I know when we go to the grocery store, I was there last night. You go to the grocery store, you look around, shelves are empty, and you're thinking, well, what if I, what if I run out of food? And uh, what if I don't have enough? Well, probably we're not going to run out of food. Uh, and, and even, you know, for the sake of the argument, here's what I believe. Even like in my house, if I ran out of food and I think I've got enough crackers and cookies and, and, and eggs now and, and the basics I could, I could, and cereal, I could just go for a long, long time. But I'll say this. I just, my faith is like this. For the sake of the argument, if I ran out of food and the stores were out of food and I couldn't get any food like in a normal way, either God would just supernaturally sustain me or somebody would bring something and drop it on my front porch. Now, that's just what I believe. And the same is true for you, that, that God's going to sustain you and God's going to meet your needs for food, financially. Say, well, John, if I've lost my job, how am I going to pay my bills? I don't, I don't know the answer to how, but I just know what the Bible says. God has promised to meet all of our needs. He is our Father. What kind of father would he be if he let us have needs that were unmet? Psalm 37, 25, David said this. He said, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their descendants begging for bread. And so David said, I've noticed something in my life. I have never seen a child of God go with his basic needs unmet. God's going to provide for us. In the Bible, he brought food by the ravens. He could do that today if he chose. But what I'm saying is he will provide for us and he will meet our needs, every single one of them. And then the last thing I would say today, if we want to exercise our faith, now is the time. We have an opportunity to trust God in a way that we won't be able to trust him in, in July and August and September. It's in the middle of the storm now. This is when our faith truly touches the heart of God. And so we want to trust him. Trust not only God's presence and his protection and his, his provision, but I encourage you today to trust God's plan. Trust God's plan. Again, there is some reason that God has allowed this to happen. Now, we could guess what that might be, but it would just be a guess. I've been guessing. I've been trying to figure it out. Is my understanding of Scripture, things that happen in the Bible? Now, God, why would you have allowed this to happen? And I don't have the final, final answer on that. You know, it's a little confusing. For the last year and a half here in the church, virtually every Sunday night has been devoted to praying, to praying that God would send a revival to this earth. 
that God would, would get the attention of people who've never been saved and those of us who have been saved, that God would wake us up and revive our spirits so that we would have a fresh commitment to God and the church and that our lives would revolve around spiritual things and not temporary earthly things. And so we've been praying for revival, and right now it's kind of like we're in the midst of a plague. Instead of God sending a revival, God has allowed a plague to be on this earth, a virus uh, taking over the whole earth. And I, I've wondered myself, God, how could we have prayed for revival and now be experiencing a plague? I'll tell you a thought that's run through my mind. Whether it's right or wrong, time will tell. It may be that God has allowed the virus as kind of a forerunner to the revival. Maybe God will use what's happening in the world now to get all of our attention and to wake all of us up so that we will turn to God in a fresh way. We read all, in all especially in the Old Testament, God blessed his people and they were living for him and serving for him, faithful to go to the synagogues and the temple and the places of worship. And then they just had so many blessings that all of a sudden they forgot God. And now going to church wasn't that big a deal anymore. Honoring God wasn't that big a deal anymore. Even talking about God and thinking about God and, and, and paying any respect and honor to God wasn't that big deal. What do we read in the Old Testament? We read that in times like that, when people forgot God and they even turned and began to worship other gods, that many times, in fact, in Bible times, God would even send the I'm not saying that has happened here. I want to be very clear. I do not believe God sent this virus. I don't believe that at all. I believe it just happened. But in Bible times, God would even send invading armies to attack his people. And when that happened, they would call out to God. And they would turn to God in a fresh way. And God would forgive them. And God would revive them. And then they would live for God. And, and then time would go by. And then they would fall back into their same old patterns. They would, they would forget about God. They would worship other gods. They would be guilty of idolatry. And then something bad would happen. And, and some kind of a, of, a, of a plague or something bad. And they would cry out to God. And God would forgive them. And this whole process started all over. Now, with what's happening in the world today, I don't believe God sent this virus. But I do believe with all my heart, he has allowed it. And anything he's allowed has a purpose. And God, I believe, is using this to wake all of us up and to say, turn to me, look to me, call out to me while you still have time, while it, before it's too late. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I think during this virus right now, we're getting a glimpse We've been studying through the Great Tribulation on Sunday mornings. It's interesting to me when we took a little break from that for Christmas and then to do some other sermons, we took a break right in the middle of the Tribulation. And now we're living. We're not, this is not the Tribulation, but I believe, it, I believe it may well be a glimpse of what that Tribulation period will be like on earth one day. And so I think maybe God is using this to awaken us and to turn our hearts back toward him. And maybe we will experience that revival. Maybe we're going to just experience it in a different way than we thought. Or at least something is happening before the revival that God will hopefully use to cause that revival. And so what I'm saying is God has a plan. I don't know what his plan is. Maybe what I've said makes sense to me, seems biblical to me. And that may be part of God's plan. Another part of God's plan, again, is a reminder that this earth, the foundations of this earth are very shaky. In Psalm 11, verse 3, I read this verse the other day. I love the verse. The psalmist said, if the foundations are shaken, what can the righteous do? 
What can the righteous do in the foundation? Well, the foundations are shaken right now. Everything we've ever considered a foundation in the world is shaken. What can the righteous do? I've just spent 30 minutes telling all of us what we can do to exercise our faith, to trust God. And now I'm talking about trusting God's plan. I read a verse just last night. I don't think I'd, I'm sure I'd read it, but I'd never noticed it. Psalm 82 and verse 5. Psalm 82, verse 5. The end of that verse says, All the foundations of the earth are unstable. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. And so one of the things God is saying to us is that, listen, you've got you've to lean on something. You've got to hook up to something. You've got to build your life on something that's stable, not unstable. You need a foundation that won't shake and that won't go away. And the only foundation like that is Jesus Christ. In the Bible, he is called the chief cornerstone. He is the one upon which and whom we build our lives. And so maybe today for you, what is God saying? What is God's plan for you? Why has God allowed this? Well, I think there are probably a lot of things. God can accomplish a lot of different purposes and plans, but maybe for you today, the main plan that God had in mind when he allowed this virus to come upon the the world stage is that God wanted to use this to get your attention so that you could receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, so that you could get saved, and so that you could build your life upon the only foundation that will stand through all of life and through all eternity. And so today, if you don't have peace with God, If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, I'm going to just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes right there where you are, in your apartment, in your house, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you might be. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This is the prayer that that my dad and I lead people to pray every Sunday when we're here. It's called the sinner's prayer. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you can pray this prayer today and you can be saved. With your head bowed and eyes closed, would you just pray this prayer? Say, dear Jesus... I don't understand everything about your plan. I certainly don't understand everything about this coronavirus that's taken over the world. But God, I believe you're in control. And I believe through this, you are speaking to me. And God, today, you have made it clear that I need to get saved. That I need to be forgiven of my sins. And so, Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Give me the courage even today to share this decision with a family member, with a friend, to call somebody or to tell somebody here I'm in the house with now that today, on this Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, that I have made peace with God by placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now for the Christians out there today listening to this message, joining us online or on Facebook or by some other means, what did I say at the beginning? What is God saying to us? God is saying to us, now is the time to put your faith into practice. If your faith doesn't work now, your faith doesn't work because this is real life we're in. This is a storm. 
And this is when we have to exercise our faith. Would you just say this to God in your heart? You don't have to say it out loud, but just say to God right now, God, during the middle of this storm, while the wind is blowing, God, and the thunder is sounding and the lightning is crashing, God, right now, I want to just reaffirm to you my total faith and trust in your presence. You're right here with me. In your protection, God, that you're going to take care of me during this storm, me and my family. God, I trust your provision that you're going to meet all my needs financially, food, water, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all my needs, God. I trust you to meet them one way or the other. And God, I want you to know, I want to just affirm my faith, reaffirm my faith to you. Lord, today, I trust your plan with all my heart. God, show me more fully what it is and what you're saying to me through this. But God, I just affirm today with strong faith my total trust in your plan and in your sovereignty at this time. God, I pray you'll bless everyone who's been with us today. Bless their families. We do pray you'll keep us all healthy, that you'll keep us safe, that you'll keep us strong in our faith, God. Help us, God, during these days not to get weaker in faith. Help us to get stronger in faith, God. And God, I just pray you'll wake us up, revive us. God, we pray for that revival. I pray you'll use this virus, God, to even hasten the revival that we've been praying for. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen and amen. Well, today, if you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to come into your heart, I'm going to ask you to do us a favor. I'm going to ask you if you would send us an email this week. Send it to my dad's email account at credmond at credmond.fbp.org. credmond.fbp.org. And I hope, I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. That's just off the top of my mind. But just if you'll go to that and just send him the little, uh, a little email and say, hey, today I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. We want to know who you are. We want to pray for you. We want to get you some information in the mail as best we can. And uh, we want to thank you again for joining us today. Now, we've still got one other song today. We're going to end our service with that. Hope you'll have a great rest of the day. Be sure to watch our uh, noonday devotions online each, each weekday, Monday through Friday. And every night at 8 o'clock, we're praying for 10 minutes that God would bring this coronavirus to an end. So join us in that prayer. Thanks for being here today. Let's end this service uh, with a little time of worship. God bless.